Let's stand together at this time. We're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 13, <clears throat> verse 3. We're talking about Abraham, the father of all who believe. In Genesis chapter 13, verse 3, he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And may God bless the reading of his word today as my prayer. You may be seated. Remember that Abraham was called of God to go to a land that he would show him. And the Bible tells us that Abraham went out not knowing where he went. We're reminding ourselves that Abraham is presented in Scripture as God's exhibit A of what it means to live by faith and to walk by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. We walk by faith and not by sight. But what exactly does that look like? We've seen some great examples. Of course, it means sometimes that we have to go without knowing. That God calls us to go somewhere, do things, and maybe we don't have all the details that we need. And that's exactly what that is all about. Of course, when you don't know what tomorrow holds, you better know the one who holds tomorrow. Amen. That's about what it means to walk by faith. Uh, when he got to this land that God had promised him, the first thing he went into then was a famine. When our revelation then doesn't match our situation, we call that a faith test. And Abram failed that test, went down to Egypt. And Egypt almost always in Scripture represents that uh, temptation for God's people to rely on the things of the world rather than to rely on God. And so there he went down to Egypt and he found himself living a lie. Anytime a believer ends up going back to the world or turning to the world, and that can happen, that's where we always end up. We end up living a lie, trying to be something that we're not. And, of course, Egypt didn't have a lot of patience with that. Uh, if the world doesn't have much patience with God's people when they walk by faith, they sure don't have much patience with us when we are living a lie and trying to act like we're something that we're not. And so Egypt quickly uh, kicked Abram out. And not long about that time, he realized that he needed to get back to the house of God. Bethel means the house of God. Generations of God's people can testify to having that same concept in their life. A time when we got off track. A time when we got away from God. A time maybe when we began to suffer in the things of the world and pick up the things of the world. Instinctively, down in the depths of our heart, we understood something. I need to get back in church. I need to get back in God's house. I need to get my family back in God's house. Because we look at all the turmoil, all the danger that comes in our life when we're trying to live in Egypt. And then there's the glorious rest that comes to the people of God. When we're where God intends for us to be. Living the way God wants us to live. Serving Him. Honoring Him. Praising Him. Never underestimate the power of making that decision of getting back in the house of God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 9 tells us by faith about Abraham. He dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him 
of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And any of you have ever heard that old southern gospel song? Yes, indeed, Abraham was looking for a city. Yes, he was. He spent all his life looking for a city whose builder and whose maker was God. That's where we find him then in Genesis chapter 13. He's back in God's house. He's walking by faith in God's promises. He's depending on God to meet his needs. He's looking for a city. He's had a fresh encounter with God as God came to him and reaffirmed that promise to him. There was the promise of blessing. But he's living in a state of famine. God had promised him the whole land. But he's living in a tent looking for a city. God promised him that he would be a great nation. But he has no children. Promised him that city. But he's living in a tent. And that's a great lesson for us to learn about the life of faith. Listen to me. Sometimes we have to do a whole lot of living. While we're waiting on God's timing. Sometimes we have to do a whole lot of living. While we're waiting on God's timing. That's what it means. To be a man of faith. A woman of faith. A a family of faith. Understand that sometimes we have to live a long time. Waiting for the time to get right. The question is. While we're living then and waiting. Will we live in victory? Or in defeat. Every time I think about that. I get that picture. of The old wild wide world of sports. Y'all remember that? The thrill of victory. And agony of defeat. Everybody under 40 can go home and look it up on YouTube. <laughs> it's very appropriate because the Winter Olympics is down. They got that downhill slot of agony of defeat. While we are living and waiting then on God's timing, will we live in victory or will we live in defeat? Well, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 tells us a lot about that life of victory and it shouldn't surprise us. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Faith is the victory. When we are walking in faith, we are walking in victory. The contrast to that, of course, is to walk in the flesh. And When we're walking in the flesh then we're headed straight for defeat. Since Abraham is back in that time of walking by faith, going back to Bethel, God's renewed his promises to him. He's living in faith. It's no wonder then that he's going to experience victory. And over the next couple of three chapters, we'll see it play out in three great scenes. The first one is in our text this morning where he's going to deal with Lot and he begins to have conflict, controversy in his personal life. We'll see him then... Uh, go into battle as he has to deal with things in the world. And against all odds, Abraham is going to experience incredible victory. And then there's that scene, uh, that uh, amazing scene with Melchizedek, the king of Salem. And we'll see him then not only experiencing victory in his personal life, his home life, not only victory in the world, but also victory in his spiritual life. Today we're going to concentrate on the first of these as we see 
what this personal victory looks like. A lot was a part of his family. And so the conflict that would emerge between Abraham and Lot and between Abraham's servants and Lot's servants, this conflict then would have a very personal effect on them. I have to admit that when it comes to our personal life, my personal life, that uh, most of my uh, conflicts that I have there are, are of my own making. And certainly that was the case with Abraham. Abraham had brought Lot when God had told him to leave all his family behind. Lot wouldn't even be there if Abraham had made the decision to bring him along. But I, think, I don't think it's accidental, though, that God is going to show us how that Abraham's walk of victory was going to overcome this conflict in his personal world. Let me tell you something. If our faith doesn't work at home, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter really to us where all it is working if it's not working at home. The enemy knows this. That's why that our homes, our families, especially as believers in Christ, is under such an attack today. Because we, we can come to, to church and sing, but if it's not working for us at home, we know it and our heart feels it even here. It has to work at home in our personal world. There's nothing more miserable than to be miserable at home. It was almost inevitable that between Abraham and Lot there would be conflict. We're not left to wonder what it was. Abraham, you see, <clears throat> had a heart for God. But Lot had a heart for the world. Abraham is seeking God by faith. But Lot is still seeking after the things of the world. And that can happen. It can happen even to a believer. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3, Paul would say to the Corinthian people, you are still carnal, fleshly, but where there's envy, strife, and divisions among you. Did you notice that? Envy, strife, divisions. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? As a believer, then, Abraham is, is going forward with God. But here he's got a struggle, and it's right there in his own family. Where somebody is still trying to hang on to the world. We can learn, then, that in our life of faith, it's not always going to be the enemy that gives us trouble, although he always will. Sometimes our trouble will come from other believers, maybe who are still trying to hang on to the world so that every step of faith that we take, we're having to pull against somebody who's pulling us the other way. It's a terrible thing to have to live that way in your home, to be surrounded maybe in an extended family situation where there's constant turmoil and conflict. You're trying to do the things that please God and live for Him. Others have a completely different set of values. How do you deal with that? There are four things we're going to look at quickly this morning. The first thing that God puts on display about this life of victory and how that victory then of our faith plays out in our home life is that Abraham determined to be a peacemaker. Verse 8, there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. I want to give you something real profound this morning. Y'all ready? Are you ready? You know, it takes two to fight. 
I mean, fighting with yourself is really not any fun. It takes two. It takes two. One of the characteristics of a person walking by faith and living in victory is that desire to be a peacemaker. Remember, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. The Canaanites and the Perizzites are mentioned because Abraham understood that he and Lot, as followers of God, stood before a watching world. And the last thing in the world they needed to see was him and Lot arguing and his people and Lot's people arguing and carrying on. Oh, the devil plays us like a drum when Christians begin to fight among themselves. It's bad. It's bad for any home to be destroyed. It's bad for any marriage to be pulled apart. But it's worse when it's God's people. It's worse. So living in victory sometimes means then that we're going to have to make a conscious decision to be a peacemaker. Somebody has to take the high road. All right, there's conflict. That's almost inevitable. But in this conflict then, we're going to seek peace. Somebody has to seek peace. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, the Bible says, Pursue peace with all people. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And so living it out in our personal lives then sometimes means that there's going to be conflict. I'm going to be, maybe I'm pulled in one direction by God and somebody else is pulling against me. Somebody, you know, and the family maybe thinks something else needs to go on. And yet in the midst of this, I can choose not to escalate the hostilities. But instead, I can choose to be a peacemaker. And that's what Abraham chose. He cried out to Lot, listen guy, uh, don't let there be conflict between us. We're brethren. Second thing then, Abraham Abraham rejected selfish living. Verse 9, he said, It's not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. <clears throat> now remember when Abraham went down to Egypt. Uh, he was talking about himself. Verse 13 of Genesis chapter 12, Please say you are my sister. He said to his wife that it might be well with me. For your sake. He wasn't worried about the fact that Sarah was going to end up in Pharaoh's house. Wasn't concerned about what it might do to her. Lie for me. So that it might be well with me. See that's one of the things that living in the flesh always looks like. It always says me first. Me first. It always lives as worrying about myself and what can I get and can I get what I want. But now Abram is living a life of faith and what does he do? He says, Lot, you choose. The whole land is before us. If you want to go one way, I'll go the other. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. You take whatever looks good for you, I will go beyond. It's not me first anymore. Abraham has now rejected that life of selfishness. Even though, listen, Abraham had every right to choose first. 
He voluntarily, though, subjected his rights, gave up his rights, what he had a right to, in order to let Lot make the first choice. Sometimes our struggles and our relationships, our battles occur because we feel like our rights have been infringed on. I'm not getting what I deserve. Somebody's not treating me right. Somebody's not doing me right. And we feel like then we've been taken advantage of. But being a peacemaker, you see, leads to this next step. I'm going to put myself in the background. And then I'm going to let someone else go to the front. Lot, what do you want me to do? Lot, what is it that's going to make you happy? Lot, what is it uh, that, that I can do maybe that's going to help you? What can I do for you? And instead of living that me first life, Abraham has put God first. And once you put God first, then it's a short step to being able to let somebody else go ahead so that I can be last. And that's it's taught in so many places in Scripture. I, I wish I had time and voice this morning to go through a bunch of them. But I think you'd understand that this is a principle the Bible mentions again and again in life. We put God first. We seek then the benefit of others. And we put ourselves in the background. That's what it means to walk by faith. Then Abraham is depending on God. Verse 9 is not the whole land he said before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, I'll go to the right. If you do the right, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east. And they separated from each other. See, Abraham has returned to his altar. And since he had restored his fellowship and communion with God, he knew that God had everything under control. Why can he say to Lot, Lot, you just pick out whatever looks good to you and I'll take whatever's left. Why would he say that? Because he was dependent on God. He knew that God was going to take care of him. No matter what, it was going to be okay. But Lot didn't do that. The Bible says that Lot chose for himself. And in that there's kind of a double meaning. And that means he made his own choice. He chose for himself. But he also made the choice that he thought would be most beneficial to him. And he chose the well-watered plains of Jordan. Inhabited by that infamous city of Sodom. Its sister city of Gomorrah. And three other cities. In their immediate locale. The Bible would say in verse 13. That the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked. And sinful against the Lord. Lot chose for himself. How often do we too make choices. That we think will help us. That we think will give us prosperity. That we think will make our life better. Or bring us happiness. chose for himself the place that Lot chose ultimately would be a piece of land that he didn't hold on to we don't know how much good that Lot did in the plains we don't know because whatever he gained there he lost whatever land he accumulated he lost 
whatever possessions he accumulated, he lost. He lost his family there. He lost his wife there. He lost his marriage there. He lost his testimony there. It cost him his fortune. It cost him his future. Lot chose for himself. And we see a progression in Lot's life. He was in Egypt. Oh, God help him. He's in Sodom. He got out of Egypt. Only to go into Sodom. Why? Because the world was in his heart. The world and all the things that the world has to offer had a firm grip on his heart. In Egypt. He's in Sodom. But what about Abraham? Verse 14. Look who shows up. And the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him. Lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth. And your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width. For I give it to you. Abraham's walked by faith. And immediately there is the presence of God. Showing up to affirm once again that promise to him. So that he has a whole fresh look then. Of God's presence and God's power and God's promise in his life. That's what happens when you walk by faith. You see, it pleases God. And he quickly then rewards that. uh, With that sense of the fact that he's pleased. Lot chose for himself. But he chose a piece of land that he could not possibly hold. He didn't even hold it for uh, just a bare few years. On the other hand, what God gave Abraham was his forever. Can we learn this morning then that great lesson of what it means to walk by faith? Whatever we get in the world, folk, we can't keep. Whatever the world might give us, we cannot hold on to it. If the world gives it to you, time is going to take it away. But what God gives us, He gives us forever. That's why Jesus said, Don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven because there there's no moth, there there's no rust, there there's no thieves. Why? What we lay up for heaven is ours forever. You lay up for yourselves treasures. And how do we do that? A living by faith. That's exactly what was happening when Abraham chose to look for a city whose builder and maker was God. Lot chose a city instead. That was a very consequential choice. The chapter then ends up appropriately with 
praise. What else? Verse 18. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And he built an altar there to the Lord. He did that over and over again. As he traveled over the length and breadth and, and depth and height of that land. As he went from place to place and moved around wherever he went. He built an altar. He praised God. He worshipped God. And he was living out then what God had promised him. That in him shall all the nations of the world be blessed because he's living in the will of God and he is then enjoying the praises of God what could the world possibly give to us that would be worth us giving up that sense of peace that comes from knowing we're where God wants us to be that sense of blessing that comes when we know that we have followed God by faith. And he's rewarded that walk of faith. When we know that our future is eternally secure. Because what God has given to us. Time can't take away. We're living in victory. Walking by faith plays out in our homes a sense of being a peacemaker after all we live for a greater purpose it leads us away from our tendency toward self-centeredness it causes us then to depend on God and his blessings knowing that the blessings that we get from God are forever and it opens up then that opportunity for us to live in perpetual praise I wasn't able to come to church last Sunday, so I visited around. Marvelous thing called a computer being online. I was able to visit several churches right here in Cabot. Not ours, because we don't have uh, that uh, live stream. Or we might work on that. It's a handy thing when you're able to live stream your services out. And I was able to visit several churches in town. I went to Bellevue at Memphis last Sunday. I went to Preston Wood in Dallas last Sunday. I visited around quite a bit. Never left the house, but visited lots of churches. Being able to praise God. Even if we can't hardly make a peep ourselves, we can hear other people. Praising God. And our own soul, even if our voice can't, our soul rises up with God's people. And we experience then the power of praise. And it doesn't just, just last in my world of Sunday. Although by Sunday night I'm needing my batteries recharged. Thank the Lord for Wednesday night. Because man, we get to come in on Wednesday night. And, and every now and then just break out in song and praise. Because... Wherever we go, listen, wherever we go around Cabot, Little Rock, Circe, wherever we go, Memphis, wherever we go, got to go to Dallas this week. You can build an altar there. You can have a life then of 
praise and dedication to God there. It's an outpouring then of what we do here in the house of God because we've chosen to live a life of faith that puts God first, others next, and myself in the last place, but that place of honor and praise to God. Maybe this morning you need to know you don't have that kind of faith. Your life of faith has yet to begin because you've not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want you to know Jesus came to this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for your sins and mine. And he gives out a simple promise. Whosoever believeth in me should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you had that experience in your own life? Not what your parents did for you, but what you did for yourself. Have you called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and asked him to be your Savior have you trusted in him? Do you know where you sit that you have eternal life? Maybe this morning you need to follow the Lord in baptism. Maybe you realize you need to be a part of this church family. God's been leading you to that and you need to make that decision today. Maybe you have some other decision to make. God calling you to special service. I don't know. But you do and he does. Say yes to him today. Let's stand together.